Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Well Church Satterton's podcast. We pray that you enjoy this message and that it creates a well of hope in your life today. Uh, I want to invite John and Sandy up. They're here from the network. The network's been a huge blessing. Wow. I love all that because I there's a statement that the way you leave is the way you enter. And so it's so important to leave with a blessing because that's how you're going to enter the place you're going. Uh, it's just a good principle. And when I walked in, I saw that box of food out there. That is so creative and so clever. I, whoever thought of that, that's a God-inspired thing. That is really, really cool. Um, we were supposed to be here, I don't know if you know this, the end of January. We were on our way. We were about a halfway, and I was so sick. I, I can't do it, John. I just can't do it. And we went back home, and I went back to bed. And then the next day, I had an ultrasound. And the news was not good. This is just two weeks ago, so it's still very fresh. And uh, they found a about a two-inch, very dense mass on my colon. Now, in 22, I went through cancer. So you can imagine what that Monday was like for me when I got that report. My head was like all over the place. That C word was like coming back to haunt me. And that was a rough day. And then I heard this, I sensed this, this thought in my head. And I read that book years ago. It's fantastic. And we get these thoughts, and they're not God's thoughts. Many times they're lies or uh, the enemy or some foundational lie in ourself. But I thought, well, I'm not going to ask for prayer. I'll, I'll just wait because they wanted me to have further testing. And it was two weeks away. It was the earliest I could get. So I won't ask for prayer. I'll wait till I have something final. And then a little while later, I thought, that's really stupid. <laughs> Why would I wait? And I started calling the Army. Uh, and I, some people sent me prayers that they wrote out, and it was amazing. Do you know the very next day, I, and I know people said, I felt prayers, I felt prayers. I really felt the prayer. And for the two weeks, I had the... Um, I had a CAT scan just this past Friday, but for that two weeks, I had total peace. I was not anxious. I wasn't uh, upset. I wasn't worried um, because when we worry about tomorrow, it drains us of our strength today. That, that's stupid also. <laughs> anyway, and I was very careful about the words I spoke. I never once said, I'm really anxious about this. I did say I was eager for the results, but I wasn't anxious. And what you speak is the way you're probably going to act, so it's very important. So I got through the two weeks, and um, Friday I had the uh, ultrasound, I mean the CAT scan, which was a lot more detailed. Um, getting the needles in and all of that, that's a whole other story. <laughs> My veins don't usually cooperate, but um, they didn't work in this arm. and. And she had to try this arm and put a, a little tube in because you have to put dye in. And um, I told her I was praying. 
And she said, well, you just speak to the vein and tell the vein to be still. I said, well, I'm praying. And when she did it, I said, you know, I didn't even feel it this time. I never even felt it. And she said, God must have answered it. You know, it must have been God. <laughs> you know, she was shocked. But anyway, thank God for uh, my chart because the doctor still hasn't called me. I'd be like, come on. But I checked my chart. I read it, and I read it, and I read it. I said, John, are you reading the same thing I'm reading? Nothing. It was gone, completely yeah. gone. And so I want to give you that praise report. You're the first church I get to tell. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So the, the songs this morning about thanks and praise and everything really was right where I'm at. So it was an interesting couple weeks. But that mass is gone. I still have some discomfort. We have to figure out what to do about that. But there's none of that C word and none of that other stuff. It's all going to be okay. It's just fine. So I'm grateful to be here today. Didn't have to come halfway and turn around. I don't really have a whole lot to share today other than a question. Uh, we have this idea of questioning God whether he loves us or not. And when you go through difficult times, God, did you forget or have you turned or something? That isn't really the question. The question is, do we love him? Do we love him enough to obey his commands? And I had to think of some people that brought some offenses just this past week. And did I harbor them or did I forgive them? I know the command is to forgive so I did. I forgave. And I can truthfully say that I can hardly remember what they were. <laughs> so obedience is doing things that God has asked us to do, not just confessing we love him without the evidence of that love being manifested. And so uh, the church is needing to say, I love you with the intent of evidence being there to fondly, fondly confirm, yes, my love is genuine. And it's in times like these that sometimes we just need that affirmation. So God bless you. Well, it looks like all is well and getting exciting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to clap when I come up. Just hey, so if you brought something to give, uh, go ahead and hold it in your hand. Uh, we don't pass the plate here, as most of you know. You just put it in the basket in the back at your convenience, but we still want to pray. So, Father, we thank you for your provision for this place. Lord, we thank you that you're meeting the needs, that you're expanding the vision, that we're able to use the little bit that we have to change the world and to help people. We thank you for what you're doing among us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good morning. This year, we've been talking a lot about gratitude. And we're going to continue in that vein this morning. My hope is that you leave this service, that you leave this service with more understanding of how God views you, and that will set you free to be even more grateful. But the first thing, and we do have to talk about it, is that it is the Sunday before Valentine's Day. And I felt led to lean into that a little bit. Whether you have someone to call your Valentine or not, we can pause on Valentine's Day and focus on how much our Heavenly Father loves us. 
as we go through this message, I want to give you the tools to finally move from trying to earn what God wants to do in your life. Often we're aware that Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, but we forget that in fact, yes, Jesus loves us. And it's so easy for us to see how Jesus loves others, but because we're aware of our shortcomings, it's challenging to see that he could love us. So today we're going to look at a lot of scripture, and if you go ahead and open your Bible or navigate your phone over to Psalm 139, you can go ahead and just stay there. We're going to go back and forth from there a couple of times, and any scripture that is not uh, from Psalm 139 is going to be on the screen over yonder. You can take a look at it. Before we jump into scripture, though, we are going to talk about Valentine's Day, and it's a weird one. And no one really knows how we got from Valentine, the actual person, to roses and celebrating our significant others. But Valentine's Day, and this is the best picture we have of Valentine, a drawing from a thousand years after he lived. But Valentine was an actual person who lived about 200 years after Jesus in the Roman Empire, Today, the area that he lived in is considered central Italy. He's known for laying hands on people with epilepsy and God healing them. So praying for the sick and seeing God move move is not a new idea that we're pursuing. It's what Jesus said his followers would do. And here we have an example of somebody 200 years after Jesus doing just that. So Valentine, we know he was arrested at least twice because in the Roman Empire, the emperor is God. And if you share Jesus as God, they don't like that. They arrest you and they usually execute you. We know Valentine was arrested at least twice. The first time Valentine was arrested, they decided they would try to reason with him and help him see that his trust in Jesus was misplaced. So they had a judge take him into his home. He lived with a judge, and every day they would reason about Jesus. And after a few weeks, that judge, attempting to rehabilitate Valentine, decided the best thing they could do was have Valentine pray for his daughter who was born blind. His plan was that his daughter would not be healed and that Valentine would see there was no power in following Jesus. But what actually happened was he prayed for her and she received her sight. So he was released. The second time he was arrested, he ended up being put to death. Anyone want to guess the date he got put to death? February 14th of the year 269. He was executed. And the morning of his execution, he wrote a letter to the little girl that received her sight, and he signed it from your Valentine. So the whole world sends Valentines and celebrates the martyrdom of Valentine. So did I just ruin Valentine's Day? Yeah. But I have an idea of how to save it. When we receive or send a Valentine, we can remember that we can be healed when people pray for us and we can pray for others and they'll recover. So now that I've ruined Valentine's Day, let's talk about Christmas real quick. So, and I'm probably gonna work in Easter before we're done. But in Christmas 2018-ish, some of you guys know this story. My son Levi was eight years old. He was too old to believe in Santa 
And you know Levi, he always wants to be older than he is. He's too old to believe in Santa. And we're in Lowe's and we're returning things to Lowe's. We're in this long line. And I look over and there's Santa. And I say, hey, buddy, why don't you go sit on Santa's lap for a photo? He says, no. I say, it's going to make your mom really, really happy if you sit on Santa's lap for a photo. I know you don't believe in Santa. We know Santa's not real, but it's fun. We're having fun here. We know how real Jesus is, and we know, you know, we're going through the whole thing. And he's like, no, no, no. And I look at him, and I say, okay, what's it going to take? What should I, can I give you to have you go take a photo with Santa? And his answer was, Two million dollars. And I heard laughter from all these people that were waiting in line with us. And I said, I was thinking we could stop at the pawn shop and get a video game. And he said, two video games. And I said, done. And here's the picture that I showed his mom the other day. It still made her happy. All right. But aren't we a lot like eight-year-old Levi? When we're asked to do something... Mostly when it's something we don't want to do or requires some work or is unpleasant, don't we want to know what's in it for us? And I'll be honest with you, if I go into work tomorrow morning and they have a meeting and they say, hey, working here is great, it's fulfilling, you meet lots of interesting people, you get lots of ridiculous stories to tell people, you get an abnormal amount of paper cuts, it's so great working here that we're no longer going to pay you. If that happened, I for sure would stop going. Because I go there to get the reward for what I'm asked to do. And you guys have jobs and you understand this. So here's a question I started thinking about last week. Don't answer it, just think about it. What did Jesus gain by leaving heaven living on earth for 30-ish years in a desert climate with no plumbing, deodorant, or donuts. You can tell the things that are important to me. Jesus was already King of kings and Lord of lords. He was in heaven, seated on a throne. He was commander of the angel army. He didn't require or need anything. So what did Jesus gain by coming to earth? And the answer is us, and more specifically, the answer is you. And I know it's cliche, but it's worth saying, if you were the only one that needed saving from sin and death, Jesus would have still come, because the reward of all his effort, discomfort, and pain is you. And today I want to help you see that your heavenly Father actually loves you. Not just believe it's true for others, or if you can somehow be good enough, then you would deserve his love. You'll never be able to earn what's been freely given to you. I'm going to send you home today with everything that I'm sharing with you today in the form of a letter from God to you. My hope is that each of us can take a few minutes on Wednesday, Valentine's Day, and you can focus on how much your Heavenly Father actually loves you. So let's go ahead and jump in to what the Bible says about this. You're already in Psalms 139, verse 1. God knows everything about you. Verse 1 says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. God knows your thoughts. Verse 2, you perceive every moment of my heart and soul. 
You understand every thought before it enters my mind. Do you know God already knows how you feel? Verse 3 says, You are so intimately aware of me, Lord, that you read my heart like an open book. God knows everything you want to say and every step you will make before you make it. And verse 4 says, You know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey begins. Did you guys know God's working on your future and he's taking care of your past? Psalm 139.5 says, You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me and spare me from the harm of my past. Lots of people think God's out to get them. He... He actually is out to get you. But he wants to get you with his love. Look what the second half of this verse says. You have laid your hand on me and you impart a blessing to me. He's not coming to lay his hands on you in anger. He's coming to lay his hands on you to impart a blessing. God loves you so much that Matthew 10.30 says even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Yes, you, you were created in the image of God. In Genesis 1.27, we read this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Your very life and purpose are found in God. Look at what Acts 17 says. For in him we live and move and have our being. And the next part of that verse says, and even some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. You are God's child. God knew you and loved you before you were conceived. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations doesn't matter the circumstances around your conception or your birth. In the womb, God knew you. God chose you before the world was even created. In Ephesians 1, verse 11 says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Don't get caught up on the word predestined. We're not here to argue, but here you are in God. And it was part of his plan that you would be in God. God fashioned you together in your mother's womb. Back in Psalm 139, verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Do you guys know God doesn't make junk? He doesn't make duds? He doesn't waste his effort making things that don't matter? Look at what verse 14 says. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Lots of people read that and they think about mountain peaks and pretty birds. You're a work of God. God created you. Know full well that you are wonderful. You were not a mistake, an accident, or unwanted. 
God was aware of your conception. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. God wrote down his plan when he saw you being formed. Look at what this verse says. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God isn't angry with you. He has love for you. 1 John 4.16 says, We know and rely on the love God has for us. It is God's desire to lavish his love on you and call you his child. 1 John 3.1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. God loves you more and offers you more than any earthly father can. Look at what this verse says, Matthew 7, 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And you guys know we talk about this all the time. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. But he is making the distinction that God knows how to give better gifts than we do. Every good gift you have received comes from God. He is also unchanging in his love to you. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He does not change. God knows what you need. You guys are familiar with this passage. We looked at this not too long ago. So do not worthy, worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. God not only knows what you need, but he will provide it. Look at what Matthew 6.33 says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And God also has good plans for your future. We say this one a lot too. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God not only loves you, but he loves you with a love that lasts forever. Look at this verse in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God also thinks good thoughts about you. Back in Psalm 139, verse 17, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. His precious thoughts towards you are so numerous that they can't be counted. Were I to count them, they would outnumber grains of sand. God is with you, delighted in you, and isn't going to rebuke you. He actually rejoices over you with singing. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. God won't ever stop doing good to you, 
Look at this in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40. I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will never stop doing good to them. The next verse, in the next verse, God celebrates the good that you do and will establish you. The next verse, chapter 32, verse 41 says, I will rejoice in doing good to them and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. God answers you when you call and he wants to show you marvelous things. This is one of my favorites. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. If you seek God, you will find him. Deuteronomy 4, 29. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Because he actually gave you those desires to bring about his good purpose for you. Look at what it says in Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God can do more in and through you than you can even imagine. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God is your, is your greatest encourager. 2 Thessalonians 2.16-17 May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed. God is the Father who comforts you in your troubles. 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 say, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. When you're hurting, God is close to you. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God carries you close to his heart, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11 says, He tends his flocks like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. One day, God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. A lot of you guys love this verse in Revelation. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. God is your father and he loves you like he loves Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said, John 17, 23. I am them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and, I have, and have loved them as you have loved me. A few verses later, Jesus says, God's love is revealed by, in you by Jesus. So in verse 26 of John 17, 
I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Do you guys know Jesus proved that God is for you? Look what it says in Romans chapter 8, 31. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus died so you could be reconciled to God. God is no longer counting your sins against you. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.19. That God was reconciled that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting the people's sin against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of his love for you. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loves you so much, he did not spare Jesus. He gave up everything he loved to gain your love. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Nothing can separate you from God's love. Romans 8.38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God celebrates everyone that repents and receives him, including you. And I tell you, this is Luke fifteen seventeen. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Everyone's identity is found in God's love. Everyone's. Ephesians 3, 14 to 15 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. If you received him, you are God's child. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the right, the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. So it's true, your heavenly Father actually loves you. All right, I want to tell you about this. So we talked about the love that we receive from our earthly parents isn't even close to the way our Heavenly Father loves us. Some of you guys may have seen this news story this week. I saw it by accident. It probably wasn't on a network that, that you all watch. But hey, I saw it by accident. I was walking and there it was. And this is a, a tremendous example of the longing an earthly parent can feel for a lost child. And this example isn't even close to the way God longs for his children. This is Jane Kim and her son Brian. And without getting into the details, they were separated for 40 years. So you can find a viral video. 
if you haven't seen it and want to cry, uh, they both said they planned what they wanted to say. But neither of them could speak. They just held each other and cried. And this is a human example of the longing God feels for connection with you. And Jesus even told us a parable about this. Go ahead and turn over to Luke 15. We're going to end on this parable. Then I want to show you guys a short video that will kind of review what we talked about. And then we'll just close with a song. So I'm not going to expound on this too much. But a lot of times when we read this parable, we don't think of ourselves as the lost son that's been found. We like to think we're the other brother that needs just a small attitude adjustment. Right? We didn't actually leave. We didn't do these wrong things. We just have a problem that we're partying for the person that's been found. But the reality is, every person was lost and away from God at some point. So I'm just going to read this to you. I want you to think about yourself as the person that was lost. And I want you to notice how the Father in the story that Jesus told us to give us an example of our Heavenly Father engaged with the Son. So I'm reading this in the NIV because I love that they call it the parable of the lost son, not the parable of the prodigal son. So verse 11 says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of the, my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. How he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Then he came to his senses and he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast to celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And this is the picture Jesus paints for us of who our heavenly father is. He wants all to return from whatever all of us to return from whatever we decided to journey to and live as fully restored son or daughter in his household. And I think that's a, a big thing to take away from today. And as you process with the letter and as we watch the video, are, are you living fully restored or are you hoping still you can get your act together so you can be fully restored?
because it's not necessarily about us having it together. We talk about all the time how our desire to not sin is not to try to earn something. It's actually out of a response of love. You can make all kinds of rules that you have to follow or you can respond in love as your Heavenly Father loves you. So we're going to end with about a five-minute video and a closing song. And I want to remind you to take time on Wednesday with a copy of that love letter and focus on how much your Heavenly Father loves you. So if you're feeling far from Him today, don't leave here until you return to Him. We are more than happy to help you reconnect. So, so go ahead and close your eyes. I'm just going to pray, and then I'll start a video. So, Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that we are the reward of what you have done. We invite you into our lives to take your reward, to rule and reign, to have your way, to be a bridge towards the others around us, to come to know you. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you, and He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs.
My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. Nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is: Will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad. Almighty God. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We're glad that what the Lord is doing among us encourages you. For more info about the church, follow us on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram. Visit dwellatthewell.com or come out and see us on a Sunday morning, 228 Ridge Avenue, Southerton, Pennsylvania. I'm taking Take me well.